as I said last week, my wife and I, we celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary now this week. But uh, no, no need to clap for that. There's some other amazing husbands and wives out here that are 30, 33 years plus. But for us, my mom spoiled us and we were blessed. We went down to Cape Town last week. We had an amazing time there. But uh, this is what happens. We get there and we're about to pick the, the car up from... Uh, Bidvest car rental. Now, for goodness sakes, next time you, you, you book a car, don't use Bidvest because they're part of Walton's, uh, opposition to your other son's family business. And so eventually we lost. We can't find Bidvest car rental place and we get there. I've told M- Michelle the wrong way to go. She's told me the wrong way to go. We had a small domestic. We get there, slightly irritated, and we walk through the back end of the warehouse where all the cars are. And so I'm like, where do we go now? And I ask a lady sitting there, where do I go to sign and get the car? And she doesn't even look at me. She just points. Just points like that, there. And so I mutter under my voice, Bidvest Car Rental Services. Shocking. Yeah. And then uh, a holiday is not a holiday without a bicycle. So I've got a mate down in Cape Town, and he organizes a bicycle. He lends me a bicycle. It wasn't great. It was a specialized. Yeah. Okay, now don't shoot me down there because I'll tell you something about that. It, it wasn't great, you're right. It was proper. That, that bike was amazing. And I got so excited, I ended up riding the bike from the bike shop all the way into the hotel lobby, into the lift, up onto the sixth floor, down the passage on those nice carpets. I've always wanted to do that. It's, it's lacquer. I mean, it's nice. And I got into trouble. And I thought they were over the top, so I complained. And I put the bike in the room next to my bed by the window. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, that Cape Town wind starts howling through a crack in the door. And it wakes me up. And I'm upset. And I'm complaining. And then I read my Bible. Then I got into the Bible. But anyway, we had a fantastic time away. And it's really good to see all of you. A couple empty chairs today with our band that are on their great weekend away. It's nice to see all of you. Nice to see my mate Craig and his wife at the back. Good having you there, bud. But it's not nice to see that oak at the back with the AV there. It's not nice to see you, my friend. I feel like blessing you with a brick when I see you there. You know why? Because we had our family picnic two weeks back on the field after the service. And there was that giant water slide. And so Mark and his two sons, James and Matt, challenged Bryce and myself to climb up and to go down this big water slide. And so that means I've got to take my shirt off and I've got to expose my unripped six-pack and my love handles, and it's not lacquer because I'm next to him, and he's got this ripped six-pack. Renee, your husband's ripped. <laughs> to heck with you, put. And my friends have been telling me for years, Daryl, you need to work out on your core muscles. You've got to work out on your core strength, and he has, and I haven't. And so I'm excited today about the message from God's Word. Because it's going to go after my core muscles. It's going to go after the muscles that we don't want to or don't often exercise. And so this word today, from God's word, is going to go after our core muscles. This is the bottom line of today's message. You are either a proclaimer or you are a complainer. You are either a proclaimer or you are a complainer. Jesus has called every single one of us here. To proclaim the gospel to the city of Benoni. And if you proclaim it, then you won't complain. And if you do complain, 
then you stop proclaiming. And I think one of the greatest reasons the church in the city of Benoni has stopped proclaiming the gospel of Jesus is because we've adopted the language of the culture of Benoni to complain. And and I want to talk to us this morning about this church that starts in the city of Philippi, a church that we want to build just like that in Benoni. This church starts with God speaking to three different people in different ways. The first is a businesswoman. Her name is Lydia. She sells purple cloth. She knows God, but she serves him religiously. She, She sees God in black and white. And one day, Paul starts preaching the gospel, and Lydia's eyes are opened to what Jesus is all about, and that changes her. And she starts loving and serving Jesus as her savior. And then the second person is a young woman. She's a servant. She's demon-possessed. She's probably um, a prostitute, and she has a very powerful encounter with Jesus, and she changes. And there are people in this church, in this hall, who have had a very powerful encounter with Jesus. They've come from addictions and drug abuse, and a powerful encounter with Jesus has changed their lives forever. That's the second person. And then the third person is a hard-hearted man. He's a Gentile. He doesn't know God. He doesn't want to know God. But he sees some very amazing behavior from certain men that are in prison in the middle of the night. They've been beaten senseless. They're in shackles. And these men start singing songs to their heavenly father. And this jailer, this hard-hearted man, cannot believe this behavior. And he changes and he gives his life to Jesus. Three different people. And that's how this church starts in Philippi. And we want to build a church like that in Benoni. In those times, if you were a Jewish man, you you used to pray this prayer every single day. You used to wake up and you used to say, if you were a Jewish man, thank you, God, that I'm not a woman. Thank you, God, that I'm not a slave. And thank you, God, that I'm not a servant. A Gentile, sorry. Thank you, God, that I'm not a woman. Thank you, God, that I'm not a slave. And thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile. And God takes a woman. God takes a slave. God takes a Gentile. And he puts them together. That's what God does. God can do anything. And if you're sitting here today and you think, God, you can't do that. God, you won't be able to do that. God can do anything. But he's called us as a church, friends, whether we are business people, whether we are educators, whether we are students or medical people involved in the insurance industry, he has called us to be salt and light to this city and to proclaim and not complain. And if you are a complainer, like me, I'm going to go after your core muscles today, and we're going to exercise them a bit. And I'm going to start off by saying today that I'm certainly not perfect. But when we read the scriptures, we've got to allow God to change us and work in our lives. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. Open up your Bible or your smartphone there, please. Someone asked me, do we have Wi-Fi? Because he wants to connect. A gentleman wanted to connect. We need to organize. Remind me to connect on our smartphones as well. Verse 12, Philippians chapter 2. Have you got it? You with me? Good. Therefore, say therefore. Some very deep theology from the standard Greg Darrell here. If you ever read the word therefore then something has happened before that. 
So what's happened before that? This is a wonderful text for us, Freedom Church. This is how God works. This is what's gone before that word, therefore. It's the whole picture of Jesus, who was God, who took the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself. He came down to earth. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So before Paul starts talking to them about their complaining, before he does that, he points them to Jesus points them to Jesus first. And then he says this, look at that. He says, my dear friends. So now he's appealing to relationship. Now he's appealing to friendship. That's what we said. We want to build a church here doing life with mates. We want to be friends at church. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine asked me for a cappuccino and sat me down at that coffee table in the corner of the coffee shop and looked at me and he says, Daryl, you know, I love you, eh? And he spoke to me about something that he'd noticed in my life. And when I left and I got in my car, I realized that day that that man loved me. And he wasn't judging me. He wasn't trying to control me. He wasn't trying to put me in a box. He spoke to me in love. And I took that man's love and his deep concern for me that day. I can't change my personality God has wired me a a certain way, but I do take the ministry seriously, and I do take this privilege of standing up here very, very seriously today, friends. But the way that it happens is that we appeal to each other on the basis of love. You know, I love you. And if I'm appealing to you on the basis of love, and I'm not judging you, and I'm saying, sir, you need to treat your wife differently. Because I too am trying to treat my wife differently. Different to the ways of the world. I'm appealing to you on the basis of love. It's not like there's a visiting preacher here up front this morning saying, you must stop complaining. I'm appealing to you on the basis of love. Comes with deep love. So number one, Paul points them to Jesus. Then he, he uses this word friendship and relationship. And then he points to their past. He says, actually up until this point, you've made some wise decisions. You're doing well in life. So we're not eliminating people, friends. We're saying, Daryl, you've made some good choices, bud. You, you've done okay, but you're still going to carry on making some good choices, pal, so that you can have a future. That's the scripture, friends. That's the text this morning. Let's read on. Verse 12. So therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. So he's actually saying, you're not just going to do this when, when men are around. This scripture is a scripture of obedience, friends. It's a scripture of obeying. It's calling us to grow. It's calling us to grow closer to God, shining more brightly for Him. I want to say, are we becoming better disciples? Husbands, are you growing? Spending time with God. Are you growing as a husband? Are you growing as a dad? Are we better at husbanding than what we were? Or are we going backwards? But now much more in my presence, continue to work out. Say work out. Continue to work out on those abs, Daryl. Continue to work out on your core muscles, Daryl. Not work for. See, it's interesting. It says not work for. It says work out. This verse has jumped out for me this week, friends. Many people think that they've got to work for their salvation. I've got to do something to be saved. I've got to work for it. I spoke to a man this week and he shared how he's got someone in his life, a loved one, all their life they've worked for their salvation. 
They've been forced to go to church. They've been forced to do confirmation class all their life. They've had to work for their salvation. He says, Daryl, I wish they could get to a place where they know that they don't have to work for it, but they've got to work it out. There's a massive difference there, friends. I don't have to work for it, but I've got to work it out. And it's tough. It's tough to work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything. Say everything. I would say it loudly, but in your red GTR. Say, say everything. Loudly. Say it. Everything. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Who's guilty of complaining? Me. I think all of us have to put our hands up. We're all guilty of complaining and arguing. Eklani, Mareklabaya. The way you speak to that Bidvest car house salesperson, Daryl. The way you speak to the hotel security in the hotel, Daryl. Do everything without complaining. The way you speak to your wife. The way you speak to your teachers, the way you speak to the Freedom Kids volunteers when you register your kids in the morning, the way you arrive at the office tomorrow morning and there's load shedding again. Heck, it's hard, man. How do we do this? How do we do everything without complaining? Because the moment you complain, you stop proclaiming. And if you proclaim, then whatever line of work you are in, friends, we better stop complaining. Whether it's about your kids, whether it's about your wife or your boss, do everything without complaining and arguing. It's not easy, eh? It's not easy. So that you may become blameless. So that. There's a reason. There's a reason why we must not complain and argue. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped Another translation uses the word depraved and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Three simple things, friends, and then we're done. The first one is this word salvation in verse 12. Look at it there in your Bibles on your phone. It says, on the one side, we've got that phrase, work out. You see that? Not work for, work out. And on the other side, we've got that phrase, with fear and trembling. And in the middle of these two phrases is that word, salvation. And the Bible in the Greek and Hebrew for salvation is yasa and sotira. Both of them... In the word salvation, I've got an aspect of freedom and spaciousness. When we get saved, we are free. And there's a freedom and sense of spaciousness when we give our lives to Jesus. Jesus Christ pays a price that makes up for my shortfall that is called salvation. It's the word hamasha. But friends, I want to just talk this morning a little bit about this, this, this word salvation. How, how, do I, how do I get saved? I cannot get saved in my own strength. I fall short. I cannot be saved in my own strength. It's like a man who takes that, that bow and pulls it and wants to shoot the arrow to be saved. And he aims for the target. I want to be saved. Let's, releases the arrow. It falls short. I fall short. And we pull again and we try and shoot that target. It moves to the left. My arrow will move to the right. I fall short. I cannot be saved in my own strength. Jesus Christ pays a price for me 
for my shortfall so that I can be saved. I expected service from Bidvest Car Rental. They fell short. I didn't expect the security at the hotel to be over the top. They fell short. It's true. Unless, unless I know that I have fallen short and that Jesus has paid a price for my shortfall, every person in my life who falls short of my expectations will be subject to my complaining and my arguing. That's quite a deep sentence I've just read or said. I want to say this again. Unless I know that I have fallen short and that Jesus has paid a price for me, every person in my life who falls short of my expectation will be subject to my complaints and my arguing. That's big. And what this text is saying is whether you are in business, whether you are married, whether you are single, whether you're a student, people are always going to let you and I down. And because we've paid a price for that, we think we have the right to complain. The Bible says don't complain. You think, hang on, that's impossible, Daryl. I've paid a price for that Bidvest car rental. I expect good service. Yes, I'm not going to let them off the hook. They need to give me good service. But the way I'll complain is different to the way the world complains. And when I take on complaining and use the language of this world, I am no longer a light to this city that desperately needs it. And I become part of the darkness. And the only way we can deal with our complaining is by realizing that Jesus paid a price for your shortfall and my shortfall. That way, I become a blessing. I only realized afterwards that that lady sitting behind the counter at Bidvest was in a wheelchair. And I didn't know what was going on in her world that day. Maybe there was so much pain in her life that, that she couldn't face looking up. She could just point. And you know what made it worse? I walked into that Bidvest car rental place with my Sunday Funday cap. I had it on backwards. When I read this text, I realized that I failed and that I fell short in that Bidvest car rental office. The potholes are driving me mad in Benoni. New tire for my golf. Buckled rim. My mates and their bicycles buckling their wheels. Because I believe that, the, that we pay rates and the government are falling short. Or I can ride my bike and I can drive my car without complaining because I know that outside of Jesus, I would not be standing up here today because I've fallen way short of the mark. But Jesus Christ made up for my shortfall and your shortfall. And so we can actually proclaim the name of Jesus and be a light in this city with more patience, with more grace, and less complaining. Amen? Let's keep reading here. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Blameless means that you don't cause other people to trip. Pure means that you are a light. You live a life, you, you're uncomplicated. What you see is what you get. When I speak to my friend sitting at the back, I'll say things to his face and I won't say other things behind his back. That's a pure life. What you see is what you get. If I've got a problem with you, I'll say it to you. I won't say it behind your back. That's living a pure life. We're going to live pure in our city, friends. We're going to live in the light. We're going to be a blessing to others. 
And we're going to live in different special ways for our Jesus. We've got to look at this text, friends, and admit that we as a church are failing dismally here. We just nail other churches. We speak badly about other churches. Try and control people. Let's read on. Without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, this is a special verse here, we should shine like stars in the universe. We don't have time to read this, but in the book of Jude, it says this, it says, these people are blemishes, it's on the board, at your love feast, they are trees without fruit, they are wild waves of the sea, and they are wandering stars. So, so these are men and women in the church, it says they are blemishes to the church because they are wandering stars. So people around these men and women, are, ta- are th- th- they need to take direction off of these men and women in the church, but they're wandering, they're wandering stars. It's like a shooting star. And, and, and you look at a man in the church and you think, I want to take my direction off of him. And then he wanders off. And I want to take my direction off that couple. They look like they're setting a great godly example in their mind. Then they wander off. I remember sitting with my swimming coach when I was in primary school because one of my friend's dads, there'd been a big scandal in his life. And my coach sitting changing in Benoni Central swimming pool before school one morning, he said to me, you know, my boy, there go I, but by the grace of God. And it's only by God's grace that I too don't become a wandering star. I got a message this week from somebody telling me about a man in this church who, who has wandered off. And, and I'm not being radical enough because of the sin in his life. I'm thinking, Lord, to have that man coming to church, wow, you do the judging, God. I'm going to do the loving. Let God convict people, man. And if you have wandered off, I'm saying to you, sir, come back. Come back into that door and say, God, I'm back. I want to be back. I have wandered off, but I don't want to be that wandering star anymore. God has put us into this world. I always forget your name, but God has put you into this world. When you drive that bucky or that red golf, to be a star in a very dark place. When you run along Volga in the mornings, my goodness, Renee, you've been running along Volga many mornings this week, running with your hands saying, God, please touch my dad in hospital. God has planted us in this city, whether we are running along Volga Street, whether we are driving up Coleridge, to be a shining light. He puts you, a shining light in courage. Bang, he puts a light there with your, your wife and your kids shining for Jesus. Put you into that catering world, Sam. Bang, he puts a, a bright star into that industry shining for Jesus. Put you into that jewelry world. Here's a couple of people involved in the jewelry industry. And women come and they want the biggest diamond because they want worth. Where's that lady? She wants it. She wants worth. They look up at you, be a shining light as you show them the love of Jesus. Whether you're a mother with influence, whether you're in the insurance world and you sit with someone who's broken, shining lights, shining lights, a bright star in the jewelry world, in the catering world, in the insurance world. And just here in this hall, we've got five, six different areas, five stars that I've mentioned this morning. Engineering, education, insurance, jewelry, catering. Five stars in a very dark place. 
where people want to take direction. And when we wonder, our city loses its direction. Because this is a very depraved, broken, crooked city. And God has called us to be stars in this world without complaining, proclaiming. Because when we complain, it shuts their ears to the message of Jesus. Keep your finger in Philippians. Turn with me to Deuteronomy, please. It's a fifth book in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 32. You know, in the Old Testament, friends, the, the Israelites complained ten times. They mumbled and groaned. They mumbled and groaned. They mumbled and groaned ten times. And after ten times, God said, bang, that's enough. No more. You're not going to get an inheritance. They were still saved. We're still going to see them in heaven one day. But they never got an inheritance. Let's look at this verse 3 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. You got it. Thanks. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. I used to sing a song in the Presbyterian church. God of faithfulness without injustice, good and upright is he. Enough singing from Daryl for today. They've acted corruptly towards him. To their shame, they are no longer his children. Read this. But a warped and a crooked generation. The ESV version says a crooked and twisted generation. You see that? Verse 6, is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? See where Philippians 2 comes from, friends. Philippians 2 comes from Deuteronomy chapter 32, in which you shine like stars in a crooked and twisted generation. I don't know if there's a young man here today, but... I remember meeting him a few months ago. I did a funeral, and he was at the funeral. And as I shook his hand, I, I, I had a sense that there's so much talent and potential and character in this man's life that has not yet been locked, unlocked. And, and I never saw him again, and, and one of you invited him to church. And he's been here for the last two weeks. And I had it on my heart to meet him this week at the Wimpy, and we had a coffee, and I said, just share with me about your life. He says to me, I'm teaching. I'm teaching at a school where kids have been written off. Some of their parents actually don't want anything to do with them. And I looked at this man. And I thought, wow, he's shining his light in a very dark place for Jesus like a star. And I said, tell me about your, your family. And he started sharing about his mom and dad. He says, you know, there's a lot of brokenness in my mom. He says, it feels like she can't connect with God. Uh, it, he says, it feels like there's a bit of a, uh, something there's holding her back. I, I had it on my heart. What about your mom's dad? Tell me about your, your grandpa, your mom's dad. He says, well, you know, my mom was very young. My folks got divorced. And my grandpa said to his daughter, my mom, I don't want anything to do with you. He wrote her off. He says, I feel sorry for my mom. He says, sometimes at the end of the month, if I've got any money left over, I'll go and buy my mom some flowers. Thought, wow, boy, you're shining your light, showing your mom direction, giving her an idea of what her heavenly father is really, really like. What a story, man. See, friends, we live in a twisted and a crooked and depraved world where people don't know what God is really like. 
And God says, I don't want you to complain. God says, I don't want you to argue. God says, I want you to work out your salvation. Don't work for it. Work out your salvation. God says, I want to tell you what Jesus has done. God says, I want to tell you that Jesus, my son, has paid for your shortfall. And then God is going to put you into the education world, into the engineering industry, the catering industry. God is going to plant you into that part of the world where there's broken and crooked and twisted people who don't know what their heavenly father is really like. And he's saying, will you shine like a star in the sky? Because then I can start to show them what I'm really like. You see, it's easy for us to say, ah, this world is so crooked and depraved and twisted. But what the scripture is really saying, friends, it's only crooked and depraved and twisted because people do not know what their father is really like. And God says, I'm going to put you into the world where there are so many twisted and broken people that actually don't know me because I want you to shine like a star. What is God really like, friends? God is gracious. God is compassionate. God is kind. God is slow to anger. God forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And he's told us, Freedom Church, he's told us, number one, work out your salvation. You don't have to work for it, but work it out. It is tough. It's tough being a Christian husband after 20, 20 years. It's not easy. It's tough being a Christian dad. It's tough. Work it out. Work out those muscles. Work on that core. Work it out. Number two, don't complain. Because if I complain, I'm going to shut the ears of people around me who desperately need to know what our Father is really like. And number three, He's called us to shine like a star in a very dark place, a place where people have got no direction. Shine like a star, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's on the bike, whether it's running on Volker Street, whether it's in the coffee shop. And I pray today that Freedom Church can really, really, really show people what our Heavenly Father is really like. In Jesus' name.